Hi, my name is Alistair Caithness, CEO of Zion Inc. And this is our new podcast that discusses the energy industry and the blockchain. If you'd like to know more about the company or more about today's show, then visit our website, www.zion.com. Thanks very much. Enjoy the show. Uh, so for today's podcast, uh, Boom, It's on the Blockchain, I'm joined by Mark Waddleton. Now, Mark is a supply chain advisor with Banyan Risk Group and is also an MBA graduate from uh, Harvard University. So for all, all of our listeners, especially back in Scotland, Mark, can you give a bit of background about yourself? Uh, absolutely. I've worked uh, in a number of different verticals and here recently in the software space. Um, my role at Banyan is as a, as you mentioned, a supply chain advisor and Banyan is a, uh, a firm that deals with business intelligence, due diligence, investigations, uh, and cybersecurity, and I help them and their clients understand uh, the movement of high net worth or high value assets uh, movement throughout the world. Uh, sort of as a side, uh, secondary piece, I have my own shingle under Ironstone Advisors, where I help companies um, look at uh, emerging and digital technologies and how to incorporate that into their supply chains as well as operations. Okay, so yeah, so interesting background. So so we're speaking about the blockchain, Mark. So how do you think the blockchain is going to change the way business is done? You know, as I have, you know, I've sort of been in this space for the last, call it two, two and a half years, especially when you saw the parting of the seas, if you will, uh, between Bitcoin and the rails of blockchain. And as my view is that it is potentially as significant as the Dutch East India Company and what they did for supply chain and moving goods and back and forth from Europe, uh, from India. Um, it will take a lot of the transaction friction out of the system. Uh, but, of course, you know, certainly if that's done... Uh, correctly and and pursued uh, with a level of thoroughness in order to help companies and their cascading supply chains or uh, uh, partnerships uh, and share in the benefits. So if we're looking at companies now, so that, you know they've obviously heard about the blockchain. Um, as you spoke about it there, it could be as significant as the very first company set up with the, the East India Trading Company. But if you're a company in the supply chain and you're wanting to get involved in the blockchain, you know, where do you start? Well, you know, that really kind of depends on the company, right? Um, you know, if you know, if you're what I call more of an operating company, meaning you are an industrial goods company, well, you know, you could certainly start somewhere in your supply chain, maybe pick, you know, one or two of your suppliers and start to build that thread. Uh, certainly, you'd have to understand what, you know, the specific use case is for your organization. What's interesting to me about blockchain is the fact that you know, though uh, it can and will be revolutionary, 
you know, it does have specific use cases or specific areas where it makes more sense. So what I mean by that is say you're a global, you know, company uh, and you work across, you know, multiple, uh, um, you know, countries, nation states, if you will. Well, you know, here in the United States, we've got the, you know, Foreign Corrupt Practices Act. Well, blockchain is a great use for that. You know, you are in a fairly, uh, or the potential for low trust environment, you blockchain by its inherent use, uh, you have to trust blockchain, uh, but you also have the ability to sort of um, get a, a sense of integrity and robustness around, you know, how goods or your goods and services are moving, you know, in throughout the world uh, without necessarily having to have eyes on it. And this is certainly in the case if it's implemented uh, properly. So, you know, it's, it's an easy question. And it's also a very difficult question because many companies, they have to really give a good hard look at their context as well as their capabilities. Um, you know, some companies are very resource constrained and their uh, human capital may not be at a level um, that blockchain might make sense right now. Um, and then you've also got, you know, the challenge of how do you have that, you know, that communication with, you know, displacement because it is going to change uh, individuals' roles within that organization. So, you know, if you implement a smart contract, you know, that does, you know, some level of, you know, call it accounts payable work or accounts receivable work, well then, depending on how you have set up that smart contract, well now those individuals that were uh, originally doing that work might now be working on the exceptions and if the exceptions are at a smaller percentage than the entire work, well then now you've got excess uh, capacity or underutilization of those individuals. So yet they have to go find something else to do. Okay. So, so thinking more in terms of your current role at the Banyan Risk Group, you know, if, so, if someone came in and said, right, we want to get involved in the blockchain, you know, what would they bring Banyan Risk Group in? Because I appreciate you're a supply chain advisor, but you know, what would be your sort of role as an example without maybe naming the companies? Oh, well, you know, say there's a lot of work in the maritime um, industry when it comes to blockchain. So, you know, you're able to, if you set up a blockchain and then you're able to tie it into those what I call edge or uh, IoT devices, well, then now you can understand the movement of, you know, a container, you know, through the Straits of Hormuz, as an example. So we would have that conversation and say, you know, maybe, you know, Maersk is, is one of the main players that got on the blockchain uh, really early. Um, and then you've also got, you know, how uh, those goods are moving through customs. So those are areas, even though that is uh, very at the uh, very nascent scale at the moment, but that, those are some examples of how 
uh, blockchain could be used sort of in my role as a supply chain advisor with Banyan. Yeah, so, so you're speaking about Maersk there as well. So obviously, you know, I don't know if they are the sh- biggest shipping company in the world, but definitely one of the biggest shipping companies in the world. And you know, they, they set up that new blockchain uh, with IBM. Um, can you tell our listeners more about that, Mark? Well, you know, I have not necessarily done a particular deep dive on the IBM uh, Maersk relationship beyond what, the press releases that they have uh, initiated. However, I will say, you know, as your listeners think about their journey, you know, in pursuing blockchain, they're going to have to look at it from, you know, several different aspects. So one, what is their internal needs and what's the use case or the business case around implementing that? And that's from, not only the technology, but also to the people. Uh, two, you know, what is the partnerships that they need to put in place in order to have those conversations and those relationships so that they, you know, because the, the wonderful thing and as equally the hardest thing about blockchain is that there is a network effect to this. Um, and the fact that you've got to get a network in order to see the full benefit of blockchain, you've got to get a network uh, engaged on it. That means that you need to have these conversations uh, and discussions up front uh, with uh, your partners. Um, then the other part of it is what is the type of technology that you want to use? So uh, Hyperledger and IBM, you know, uh, it, it's my understanding that their approach is, hey, we want it all. Uh, we're going to have a closed loop sort of blockchain. And then you've got Ethereum on the other end that, you know, their kernel or their core is in the public, but now they have some permission capabilities. So you've got to figure out what that means for uh, your particular uh, organization uh, when you're pursuing it. And then, of course, you know, as in the case of Maris, I imagine that they've got some fairly uh, sophisticated um, IoT devices where they're already tracking that, and, you know, IBM was able to hook into that, uh, and that's how they were able to kind of uh, execute their um, POC, if you will, and they're moving into production, is my understanding. So, you know, coming back to the maritime industry, because it's, you know, it's such a massive industry and one of the first industries in the world, to me, it's fascinating that they've created this uh, shipping blockchain. Uh, Trade Lens is the name that they're going by. But now they're actually bringing on other major carriers. So right now, it was sort of developed by IBM and Maersk, but now they're starting to bring on essentially their biggest competitors to use it as well. So why would their biggest competitors start using uh, Maersk's blockchain? Um, well, you know, one, it could be a very, it could be a lower cost to entry uh, for them so that they can kind of learn from somebody that has sort of been at the bleeding edge of this technology and any implementation of it. That does not necessarily prevent them from unhooking and trying to maybe go a different direction. Um, and then two, again, it comes back to 
the fact that there's a network effect that's a primary driver. And in this case, the first mover uh, will see the advantages of that. Part of my uh, uh, enthusiasm about blockchain is the fact that it does uh, between organizations what a lot of you know ERP, CRM, uh, you know RPA type technologies does within the boundaries of walls. You know I uh, posit that um, companies instead of uh, having a distinctive competitive advantage when it comes to, you know, their particular firm, um, that ecosystem is going to compete against other ecosystems. And the ability to be one of the first to uh, firm that up with your ecosystem, uh, you will have a sustainable advantage uh, not only from a margin or uh, gross profit or net income standpoint, but also from a learning standpoint, from a from an institutional learning standpoint. So I can imagine that you know, look, it's it it marries in my view when Porsche came out and said, "Hey, we're putting you know we're doing some blockchain work uh, with our automobiles," and then within a handful of weeks. Uh, there was an industry group called Moby, uh, and all the majors and several uh, blockchain companies, you know, are part of that consortium to sort of uh, figure out and navigate uh, the challenges as an industry, so that they can figure out common standards and and, and communication protocols. Yeah. <clears throat> so. It, to me, it's, it, what's interesting, it's a bit like the, the oil blockchain uh, consortium out of Houston. Correct. If you're coming back to the oil and gas perspective, and you know, a lot of our listeners, you know, especially back in Scotland where I'm from, we're all involved in the oil industry because we're based from Aberdeen. Yes. So, so what's interesting to me is it's the first time in history that you have the super majors collaborating in a way of sharing seismic data. So just from your perspective, why is it that they're able to share seismic data now? And why, you know, what is this going to change in terms of how they're going to work together going forward? Well, I, I think that at least at the moment, um, if my information is, is as current as, uh, as I think it is, is the fact that they're not quite at the point of sharing you know, seismic data, but the potential is there. And what that means is that, you know, you can have several, uh, um, you know, EMP firms say, hey, you know, we want to do a survey and collectively pay in a survey. And then, uh, so they share in the cost, but also the blockchain would allow them to, to only have specific keys to, uh, specific, you know, portions of the data that they had agreed that they were wanted as an end product. So that is going to be really important. Uh, and then you don't necessarily, you don't, you no longer have to have that debate, right? You don't have to necessarily be concerned about data leakage, uh, the time to get through, you know, some of the approvals to make sure that 
uh, you know, this firm uh, is only, has access to this amount of data and that you, you're able to get all of their information to them in sort of one fail swoop. Um, you know, I think that is, that is gonna be a primary uh, advantage of that. And you can kind of do that from more of an arm's length, length distance, if you will. But there are certainly other uh, areas where blockchain is gonna come in to play in the oil and gas industry. Uh, you know, certainly energy transaction, uh, regulatory reporting, compliance, uh, again, you know, supply chains, uh, asset optimization. Those are all areas uh, where um, the blockchain is going to, as well as others, you know, finance, uh, AP and AR uh, is going to have a, a significant impact uh, once implemented at scale. Yeah, so, so if we think back to, uh, so, the, the, you know, the, the super majors are now talking about the blockchain, you know, I, I've seen people like Tansud and Lars from Equinor stand up on stage and say, you know, once it's fully implemented, we'll be saving 8 to 12% in fixed costs. So mm -hmm. if you're an Exxon Mobil and you turn over $500 billion, then 8 to 12% in fixed costs is a lot of money. It's a lot so, of money. So you can see instantaneously what the benefits can be for these big companies. But then coming down to the supply chain, which is your area of expertise. Now, you know, I, you know, we're making these statements in three to five years. If this starts to happen and they see success with it, they're going to start rolling it out. But if you're in the supply chain, and now I'm also seeing people like Phil Black from my wood, you know, uh, the old wood group speak about this. You know, he does great video blogs. I follow him online. So, okay. there's, so there's suddenly someone in, from the big service sector speaking about it as well. So a service company is a leading blockchain guy there. But then there's everyone else in the supply chain. So, and, and this is where the, the missing link is. What I, what I see it is, okay, the big operators, we can see that. Now you've got the big service companies involved. But if everyone else in the supply chain is you know, obviously now interested in this and listening to this podcast, you know, what, what's, what do they need to do to even start, Mark? You know? Well, I, I mean, you know, look, um, by the mere fact that you're probably in an oil and gas industry, the chances are you do large capital projects of some sort, right? And that touches multiple areas. Uh, you know, it touches procurement, uh, you know, sort of, it, it also touches logistics, it, it touches uh, a whole suite of manufacturers as well as service companies. So, you know, my argument is start somewhere, you know, pick out a handful of possible areas for your organization that you can, you can start and vet them. Um, look at, you know, hey, some areas that you might want to consider is areas where, you know, there's low trust, um, you know, there might be some distance in between players, you know, transfer, transfer, excuse me, or avoidance of economic value, people, and paper-intensive processes, uh, multi-party transparency. You know, if you, I remember we were uh, shipping a thruster uh, one time, and that, you know, look, that requires state involvement, that requires customs, that requires shipping lines, 
you know, that requires a whole host of service providers in between, and just begin to pull on that thread. Um, you know, I would argue that you, it would be important to, talk, to start with something that is uh, not critical to your organization, but significant um, so that it is meaningful enough that you can actually sort of see and make tangible uh, the savings. Um, you know, if you do this something, what they call the tailspin, uh, you know, that might not, that's, that's likely going to be commoditized by companies like Amazon. Uh, so you wouldn't necessarily, you know, per se, see as much of a benefit. But, you know, if something is core to your business, you know, and, and, and you think that there's an opportunity to uh, create a blockchain, well, then go have a conversation with a partner or two. Um, and then figure out, hey, look, if we've got an MSA in place, you know, what part of this can we turn into a smart contract, put that on a blockchain and, and tie it into, uh, you know, an IO point, input output point, you know, whatever that is, whether that's a third party or whether that's uh, an actual device and execute. You've got to, you know, sitting on your heels and watching this develop and saying, I'll wait, I'll wait, I'll wait, is probably not the best um, approach, primarily because those that get out ahead of this, uh, or that are surfing this wave, if you will, um, they're going to have a critical advantage when it comes to not only setting up and uh, the blockchain that all of these the network effect of these organizations are operating operating on at some point in time there's going to be payment of services you know now the consortium to my knowledge has not is not considering that at this stage uh, but it will be a part of this and companies that are technologically advanced like to do business with other companies that are technologically advanced and you can see at some point in time that, hey, if I have a smart contract with my supplier and they're able to, I'm able to pay them once we agree that this smart contract has been satisfied uh, and I'm able to pay them within, you know, call it anywhere from 10 minutes to, you know, a week uh, based on the smart contract language versus another organization that might be in part of their customer base and they're paying them net 60 net 90 net 180 um you know imagine what happens when i pick up the phone whose attention am i going to get who's going to pay attention to me first so it's really going to sort of be a back end to driving uh more sustainable relationships between organizations as well yeah yeah that's, that's really interesting so I'm thinking about um, as an example. So what is a previous technology that was brought in to improve efficient efficiencies for companies that you could use as a comparative example of what the blockchain can do now? Well, I would, I would, almost argue um, 
blockchain is unique. Um, you know, people talk about EDI. Uh, that had its level of, of, of uh, you know, success. Um, you, you could argue email to some extent. But blockchain is very unique because this is really kind of going to be the first time that you can set up a, what I call a software executable transaction. It can be assisted or unassisted depending on, you know, the, 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 the human engagement that you want. And at some point it can execute a payment, right? And as a standalone. Now, what that's going to do is that that's going to increase the work on the front end uh, when setting these up with your potential partners. But, you know, blockchain is very, in my view, is very unique uh, in that characteristics because uh, you can be able to, you know, to a large extent, and if you decide to anonymously, you know, share information between organizations, um, you know, or within the consortium that happens to be, work, you know, on a particular blockchain or on a particular smart contract. Uh, that is that is different, um, in my view. Okay, so if you're thinking about people getting involved, and then how can they help their customers trust? that uh, what you're inputting into the, the blockchain is first of all, it's going to be from a risk perspective, you know, the information is not shared, but also how do you get them to buy into what you're going to do? You know, a lot of those same behaviors or uh, processes uh, are the same as when Many of these companies were implementing any number of internal um, enterprise software. So, you know, I'll pick on uh, SAP or Oracle, right? You have to have those conversations uh, with that external partner because uh, if you um, if you can imagine a world within your organization where different functional groups have different motivations, imagine that being just a level or two or more difficult when you're dealing with an entirely different company with an entirely different uh, management structure, uh, their incentives. So this is really going to sort of drive what I'm going to call a field of, uh, you know, development. Um, you know, you're going to have to have those conversations up fairly early, quite often, uh, depending on the size of the company. You know, if you're a multi-billion dollar company and you're having this conversation with, you know, your suppliers, you know, you're going to have to show them the benefit, right? Because oftentimes this is going to be extra work. They may not have the internal capabilities. And not only are you going to have to show them benefit, you're going to have to share uh, to bring them along. Uh, so it's not going to be, it's not going to be easy and there's going to be cottage industries that are going to spring up in order to help, uh, organizations on both ends of the relationship, uh, to manage. 
doing this, but you know, I, I'm a firm believer that it is not only doable, but it is going to happen. Pandora's box is open. Uh, blockchain is out on the uh, on the market, and people are going to solve this problem. It is a solvable problem. So coming back to what you were saying, one of the points there is the, the security aspects and cybersecurity. And, you know, I think one of the misconceptions a lot of people have right now is that blockchain and Bitcoin are the same thing. And they think, oh, well, if I get involved in this, I'm going to somehow lose a wallet and lose all my money. And it's everything's tied together. So, you know, obviously, we know there's they're separate thing you know that basically bitcoin's just a financial transaction on the blockchain and the blockchain's yes. now got other use cases but really from a cyber security angle are you involved in anything in cyber security and what would you say to people who want to get involved in the blockchain about the cyber security of it um well i i have begun to look at some cyber security aspects to the blockchain uh, I think that at least at the moment, uh, though I think, you know, I've, I understand that there's a, a, a small cache of firms that have figured this out, uh, potentially, but at the moment, uh, the speed metrics, uh, in order to sort of use blockchain as a, as a, as an air gap, uh, is a challenge, especially when you might have, uh, you know, attackers, uh, you know, coming at you from, you know, different countries or from different servers all around the world. Um, but I do believe that, and I've had this conversation with uh, some clients that, hey, they are asking the question, you know what, when I have that HVAC person uh, tap into my network, you know, even though he's just working on you know, a unit or a collection of units, you know, how do I have verification that that machine should be there? Because typically what these, what these uh, hackers tend to do, not only do they work on your system, but the weakest point is a person. And so they find that entry point uh, with a person um, or, you know, an unprotected uh, device that has a link inside the the castle walls, if you will, uh, and then they work from there. Um, so, you know, blockchain, uh, I can give you one example uh, from a number of years ago. Uh, I have a friend of mine that is an ethical hacker, uh, meaning he's hired by companies to do penetration tests, and he was brought in for to test the security of a uh, of a power plant. Well, he didn't get in through the power plants because you know they were locked down pretty well. He did get in through the gas station that was down, uh, you know, down the way uh, that did not have that level of protection. So that's you, you know. So if you've got a device that's sitting outside, you know, sort of the protected walls. Well, then how do you know that device even belongs on your network if it is if it happens to be on your network? Well, blockchain is something uh, that can uh, help uh, organizations manage that. Okay, so it's a, it's a bit like George Clooney and Brad Pitt in Ocean's Eleven, is it, Mark? You know? <laughs> yes, exactly. And we'll find the weakest link and go after that. Absolutely. 
so it's but yeah so that's interesting as well because i think it, from my perspective is that the cyber security angle of the blockchain is going to probably be one of the biggest questions with every single company starting to share data oh uh, well you know the thing is is that the the, the chain has not been hacked it's been actors around the chain uh that now now it depends on which chain you are that there, there's certainly been some some challenges with with some of them uh but you know and that's why many organizations especially large enterprises you know are looking at permission chains so that they know hey if you're inside the wall then you need to, you belong there now it's just a matter of whether uh you you know get access to certain information or not and they manage it you know sort of a tiered level that way but look if it is a you know for example uh, to take this outside of the oil and gas industry uh, you know coca-cola has their their, their 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 drink formula under lock and key and there's only a handful of people that have access to that right that's an air gap system if it's that critical to your business you would not put this on a blockchain to begin with. So you'd have to look at your uh, particular um, uh, roadmap uh, in order to, to, to understand, uh, you know, what is a potential um, application or could be put on a blockchain and how much and what and who has access to it versus, look, this is so critical. This is core to our business. This is we would not we would not put that on a blockchain to begin with so you still have to do that that thought process and i don't think many organizations have or, or have or have gone through uh that thought process because it's just really easy to say you know what that's proprietary information and you sort of blanket it all you know if you think of say the u.s government you know everything is secret or everything is top secret and then you do on a maybe you do on a case by case uh, basis. I'm going to argue that you know maybe uh, more thought needs to go into it um, on the front end, and maybe you don't blanket, or at least if you do blanket, you have a protocol, or you have a process in place where you can uh, vet to say, okay, this can go, this cannot go, and the reasons why. Right. Okay. You know, that makes sense. So you're speaking about the U.S. government. So what would, you know, in terms of procurement with governments is so huge. Now, do you think that, how are they going to implement blockchain uh, in terms of the procurement process of governments in order to like improve transparency and also, you know, improve productivity? What's your thoughts on how the governments are going to implement it? Well, you know, um, that's a good question. As I think about it, I think that the way the U.S. government, specifically since we're here in the United States, is likely to approach a technology this like this is through the regulatory and compliance piece, and maybe not necessarily through um, uh, sort of the procurement arm of it. And as a uh, two things. You know, as digital natives uh, continue and those that are coming behind them continue to make up an increasing portion of the workforce and that learning curve and comfort gets there, 
with the government, then you start to see, um, you know, from a procurement process, uh, those, <coughs> excuse me, those entities or those those individual departments um, take a hold of this. Now, since you mentioned, uh, you know, cybersecurity, you know, that's another area that the government might look at, you know, when it comes to the national labs and certainly uh, many of our nuclear assets, um, you know, when it comes to power plants, et cetera. Uh, that is also ripe uh, for a, a blockchain application. You know, again, it really kind of comes down to, uh, you know, receptivity of, of the adoption um, to those entities that need to need to use it. So you think it's going to de-layer government then by using the blockchain? You know, I think there's a there's the potential to de-layer it. Absolutely. Uh, do I think that that is going to happen as quick as uh, enterprise would adopt it? That's an open question. I don't think that that's highly likely. Uh, primarily because I think you're going to have a certain population of the workforce that is going to have to age out uh, of it. And then, like I said, you know, the, the digital natives uh, come in and say, okay, well, why are we doing it this way? You know, we can implement, you know, something like this. And, oh, by the way, would it, you would have, um, um, you know, other uh, uh, robust examples. Now, again, it depends on the use case. I think the NSA is looking at uh, blockchain uh, from a cybersecurity standpoint uh, to leverage as an air gap. You know, but those are you know, already, call it technically uh, advanced or um, uh, knowledgeable citizenry in the U.S. government. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to depend. Okay, so... So the blockchain's not going to let us find out what uh, Joe Biden's son got paid 50000 a month for, for working out in Ukraine. Well, now that's in the past, no. <laughs> <laughs> and going forward, it's uh, how do you yeah, get paid 50000 a month? Exactly. exactly. So it's, uh, but to me, it's transparency is a big thing as well, Mark. You know, and it, I think, you know, that's the key for a lot of people out there. Is this, is this capability for us agreeing something in a smart contract um, from a transparency point of view and then putting on the blockchain and then we can always come back to this point. There's no additional arguments afterwards because everything's agreed up front, you know? So on a final point, if, if people are still trying to get their head around it, you know, what would you say to them in terms of the transparency angle and how the blockchain is going to help going forward? Well, from a transparency standpoint, all of the actors on a, will be able to see everything at, you know, pretty much all the time in real time. Uh, and I think that that is, that is a really key uh, piece of this. So let's, let's take, for example, maybe you've got some sort of uh, uh, freight coming in to the Port of Houston. Well, you know, assuming that you and the customs and the shipping line, you know, are all on the blockchain. As soon as that uh, freight is offloaded and is on the back of a truck, um, then you would know that real time. 
Uh, and then you could update your customer or you could update your SNR group, say, hey, this is on its way. Um, it just got offloaded sort of as a status update. And then now the shipping line would be in a position to say, okay, well, you know, we have done our portion of this role and, and it has gotten through uh, all of the process checks, you know, can we get paid? Uh, and then the, 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 the logistic provider, the trucker, once they drop it off, you know, so they get within a geofence area of, uh, you know, the final destination, then they could make that same, they could have that same discussion uh, with you on a smart contract, and it would just be self-executable. Um, it is also going to change sort of the finance aspects of it if you do start paying um, your vendors uh, you know, on a faster basis. So that's, you know, there's going to be an entire trade finance aspect to this that uh, I have not seen much discussion around. I've seen a lot of discussion around DeFi, but I've not seen much discussion around the trade finance, uh, uh, you know, opportunities, if you will, uh, that will arise as a result of being able to, to either get paid faster or pay others faster. Yeah, and that's a that's a really interesting answer, Mark. And it 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 just brings everything around full circle. As you know, as far as I'm concerned, if you think going back thirty years, and the the internet started through email. Uh, now you know, Bitcoin started blockchain, or blockchain and Bitcoin came together. You know, thirty years from now, you've just highlighted a potential new, essentially not industry sector that's going to just emerge from the blockchain. Oh, absolutely, and that's not the you know that's not the only one um, that is going to arise. That you know I don't think many are not having that conversation around because there's you know many of these organizations are you know at best in POC um, and selectively at production, but not production particularly at scale. And if you're an enterprise. You know, you're probably not paying off of that. You know, you're probably punching out to your finance group and it's going through your already existing, you know, process. But, you know, whether you keep that or not is going to change, you know, and then it's going to change based on the customers that you or your uh, suppliers that you're dealing with. And at some point, they're going to start asking for that, right? Because once you kind of get your, uh, your whistle wet, if you will, uh, on getting paid much faster, then that's what they will want to keep to do. So it is coming. Yeah. No, no, that, that, that's a great way to finish the, the podcast today. So, so I just want to say, uh, well, th thanks very much for your time, uh, Mark. Uh, appreciate you're a really busy guy as a uh, ex MBA graduate of uh, Harvard. Uh, would you like to say anything why Harvard's actually better than Yale? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, we're all a big family, so uh, <laughs> yeah. Other than the football games, you know, we, we're we're a lot alike. Other than in different states, in different states, perfect. All right, well, well, thanks again for your time today, Mark. I appreciate the busy guy, and uh, thanks for coming on board the podcast. Okay, thank you very much, Alistair. Have a nice day. You too. Bye bye. Thanks very much for listening to our podcast. And if you'd like to know more information or get our next podcast, then visit our website, www.zyen.com.
Thanks very much. Have a nice day.